Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. I'm talking about the Bible. That's what we're talking about today. We, um, we wrapped up, I know, hey, settle down, it's going to be okay, right? We wrapped up our sus-sus series, the intellectual peak of your life, sus-sus, um, and we're going to be starting a new series in uh, two weeks, because next week, uh, Dietrich Winter's going to be speaking, um, I'm going to be in the UP with uh, my partner and some of our friends, and I'm really excited. So, I thought this would be a good time to address something that I've been talking a lot about with people. The three most conversations I have uh, is, one, um, I don't know if I can do this anymore, Chris. <laughs> That's what I label that talk, of like this idea of God and church. I, I don't know, like what's been handed to me and where I'm at. We had a long discussion about this in Duluth about called deconstruction. Number two is um, tell, tell the story about neighborhood and how we became an inclusive community and how did I theologically come to a place of where we don't just um, affirm people, we radically celebrate everyone being their fullest self. And the third one is this. Um, what in the world does this Bible even mean? As my friend Bree would say, what does this mean? So um, I thought we could talk a little bit about the Bible is not, because I think that it might even be more important than what the Bible is. And I'm a huge fan of the Bible. I was talking with um, uh, another uh, Methodist pastor and we were kind of like nerding out on the Bible, and we're like, man, how do we help people love the Bible? And then we laughed because we're like, we know a lot of people are like, no, not a fan anymore, <laughs> right? Like, how do we encourage people to engage with this nuanced, messy, beautiful book? Um, and also realizing there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of my friends, actually, who are like, I just have to put the Bible down. I left the Bible on the table. I might re-engage with it. But what the Bible and what is used against me, I just, I can't, honestly, I honestly just can't engage with it right now. Which I, there might be people here, people listening, maybe you feel the same way. Which we are huge fans of people getting clear of what's life giving to them. But, like, the Bible to me is still incredibly um, uh, inspiring. So I'm, I thought I'd give you, like, a quick Bible nerd, because I love this stuff and I was talking to Bear about it. Um, you know the story of Noah's Ark, right? Raise your hand if you've heard Noah's Ark before, right? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I'm just going to raise my hand because everyone else is doing it. So um, it's a story that we used to tell, you know, to like kids. Oh, I imagine other churches still do it where it's like God's like, let's build a boat. And Noah's like, okay, God. And then they're all the fluffy little animals get on board and they're all happy, right? And they're, none of them eat each other. There's no waste. And then like a bird goes to come back and God's like, I love you, right? But, and the, <laughs> right? And the, if you, like I, like, I wish I could go back and watch my face the first time I actually read the real story of Noah. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> this never came up of God killing the whole earth, right? This is a dark story. Um, but um, this, this story, right, there's a story called, Gil I wrote it down, Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh, right? Uh, and this story predates the Hebrew Bible. Some say 500 years. Some people say 1,000 years before the Hebrew. And they're 
almost exactly the same. From everything about a God um, being um, frustrated with people, instructing a person and a family to build this boat, very similar of what stuff to use, um, that they, the deity like closes the door of the boat, they travel, they get stuck in a mountain, they send out birds, and they both send out um, a sacrifice. And it's that smoke that like, awakens the gods, right? Awakens God in the Hebrew Bible, where God says, oh, I might have made a little big mistake, right? And God then says, I'm never going to do this again. And Gilgamesh, same thing. But the point of the story is, what does God do for the promise? God says, scout's honor. I'm never going to kill all people again. Do you remember what, in the Hebrew Bible, what God displays? A rainbow, right? It's a rainbow, which is beautiful, but there's a problem because it's not in the Bible, right? The rainbow is not in the Bible. The Hebrew word there just means bow, right? It's just a bow. Because at that time, people and believed gods would be like, God, like, oh, I'm angry at you. And what weapons did they have at that time to bring destruction to violence and death? Bows, right? And so God sees what happened and says, I'm going to put my bow in the sky forever so you can see that I don't have that weapon on my body. I'm never going to use this as a weapon against the earth or you ever, and this is my promise. So every time they'd see a rainbow, right, instead of it being like, oh, that's really nice and fluffy, and, or not fluffy, like sparkly, wow, thanks, God, you're really nice. It was the Hebrew people believing, oh, God left his weapon over there. <laughs> and if you saw the rainbow, it was a reminder of like, today I can move freely around the world, not afraid of God doing violence to me with that bow, right? Which to me is like, it's so, it's so beautiful, it's so nuanced, and yet it's so practical, and I love it because if you were, if you were like watching this play out, right, and you're writing down things in real time, you're going to have some weird takes on life. Like the people who are um, the gospel writers, they're all over the map, right? Why? Because they're watching something that is like transcending what they know about being human, right? They're being inspired by something, and they start writing that down. That's the Bible. It's messy, it's beautiful, and I'm here for all of it. So what I wanted to do is tell you two things. What the Bible I don't really believe to be, and maybe something we consider it possibly is. So the first is this. What the Bible is not, right, is this word that has um, been very popular for the last 50 to 100 years that fundamental um, Christians hold on to deeply. And I think there's a lot of other people who are like, yeah, I can get into that without understanding the implications of what it might be. It's this word called inerrancy. Has anyone ever heard of the word before? The Bible is inerrant, right? This, this uh, view of the Bible is that the Bible has no mistakes. It is clear, right? It is pure. And there's like whatever the Bible says, we can believe it to be true, right? Which is like in theory, which is a really good idea. But like what I just said, the gospel writers um, say Jesus was from two totally different towns. Of when Jesus um, is betrayed, two totally different, three totally different times, right? And that's just in the Gospels. There's a ton of, like, competing views or thoughts, right? In the Old Testament, they retell the same stories and tell it two totally different ways, right? Which, for me, I love because it shows the humanity of the Bible. So where does the idea of inerrancy come from? Because if, if the Bible is contradictory, right? If the Bible has holes in it, how can we then hold it to some sort of truth, 
right? This is what people would say. If the Bible might be flawed, then maybe this whole spirituality thing could be flawed. And I got a little surprise for you. It is. <laughs> right? It is totally human. And to be human is not to be bad. It's not to be evil. Like who you are is beautiful. Who you are is strong. Who you are is wise. Who you are is good. Who you are is deeply loved. And where do we see that? We see it in the Bible, right? We see it in how the people who wrote it at that time inviting us to see a God that is complicated and nuanced, right? I don't believe God to be flawed, but I know I am. And God never says that's evil or bad. There's this invitation to be our fullest self. It's what inerrancy then does. So when I talk to people about it, um, and I say, well, you know, there's this contradictory part. They're like, oh, we just, we're, we just don't understand. And when we get to heaven, God's going to, like, tell you, oh, that's why. Which is a really convenient um, argument to not have to argue anything, right? <laughs> Say, well, we don't know, but God does. Um, like, I, was, I met with um, another pastor in town, just an absolute wonderful dude. Like, theologically, we're in very different places. But he's a really, really good, a really good man and does a lot of good. And we were talking about this. And he's like, Chris, like, I could see an argument being made that the earth is millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of years old, right? I've read the science. I, the, the scientists get paid a lot of money. Well, probably not that much money. But they get paid all right, some money um, to have these arguments. And so, like, I could get behind it. But the Bible says that the earth is, like, 6,000 years old. I, 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 I don't know why. I don't know why. But I have to believe it because the Bible says it. If you hold an inerrant view, you can't critically, I shouldn't say can't, that's too strong a word, it's problematic to think critically about the Bible. Almost as if they were saying, I have to turn part of my brain off and just like take it and read it face value, which um, could work for you until it doesn't. Because then if you believe the Bible to be inerrant, then you believe it to be 100%, um, I believe the Bible to be true, but in a way that there's, there's one way of looking at it. That has brought violence to how many people, right? How many women have been told that they can't talk in church or that's a, um, what's a biblical marriage where the man is the head of the household, right? How much toxicity has that brought to people's lives when you hold that view, right? Like, I, I can let you in on a secret, a lot, right? Like, I met with, um, this, <laughs> this is a, a last year, and there was a group of um, pastors that get together every once in a while. It's called an ecumenical meeting. And I, I love it because I'm a big church nerd. And um, even like talking about church governance, I just love that stuff. So, um, but I'm aware, right, since we've moved to neighborhood church, um, we have a vibe. We have maybe a reputation. And um, I don't run from that, right? But I still like showing up those spaces. And most, like 80% of uh, the pastors in town are like, like, yeah, Chris, you're nuts, but man, you're a good guy. And I'm like, hey, thanks, you too. So, um, but I'm still aware when I'm walking in those circles. So there's this group of three other pastors. Um, two of them were brand new to the area. And so I walk up. I'm like, hey, guys, how you? You know, I'm turning the sparkle on. And I'm like, what's up, guys? And they were talking about doing events together. And I said, oh, okay. Like, A, I know we're not going to, like, I don't need more events in my life. Um, and I said, well, how do you guys decide what events you're going to do? And they looked at each other, and they looked at me which is always a, not a good sign when they all look around at each other and look at you and say, all right, buckle up, Sider. Um, they said, well, first of all, we have to all agree that the Bible is inerrant. Am I right? And I'm like, what? I, not, I was not anticipating. He's like, because if we don't agree that this is the foundation of everything we do, then what are we even doing? And I'm like, yeah, that, that's great. That's, I'm glad that works for you. 
What I wanted to say was, oh, yeah, we have to hold inerrancy in order to have, like, a meatball dinner to help support victims of domestic violence, right? Clearly, this is the most important thing. But to them, it is. It really is. Because it gives you a, a simple line to saying, the Bible says it, therefore I believe it. Right? And I just can't do it anymore. And it, the Bible has never been more freeing to me when I've been able to leave that behind. It's never been more inspiring to me. So then what is the Bible? I believe the Bible to be inspired. If you want to read a great book, Rachel Held Evans, um, who passed away three, four years ago, she was like this, this voice for um, the, the, ha- the hashtag would be ex-evangelicals, right? Um, has anyone ever read Rachel Held Evans before, right? It is absolutely, it's, it's so good. She, do, she does another book called um, uh, A Biblical Woman. Wasn't she, yeah, she wrote that. No, that was Sarah Bessie. Anyways, let's just say Rachel, where she, for a whole year, went literally as inerrant what the Bible says to be a wife. Like, you're supposed to greet your husband by the door. You're supposed to have a sign that says, like, you are blessed. It's, it's hilarious. Um, but she wrote a book called Inspired. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says to his good buddy Timothy, he says, Timothy, do not know or remember that all Scripture is God-breathed, right? And this is the first time in the Bible, only time these two Greek words are mashed up together, and it says God and breath, which evokes this idea of the Spirit of God like flowing into the Scriptures would have been the Hebrew Bible because it didn't have the New Testament then. And what that, like, brings back to is, like, in Genesis, in the creation uh, mythical story, right, that God picks up um, dirt and clay and breathes into it, and out of that breath comes humans, right? Because we are all, like, blood, bone, hair in some places we want, hair in places we don't, right? We have uh, fingernails, which we never clip in anyone else's car ever, right? We have tongue, teeth. We have, like, we have mass. But we're so much more right, than just like cells and teeth and hair. We have moxie. We have wisdom. We have spirit. Some people say we have soul, right? And when you, when you like, um, like, does it, like yo-yo ma, like you, do, you guys probably have music that you listen to when you want to be inspired, right? When I listen to yo-yo ma, I do two things. First thing I do is I cry, because I cry to Yo-Yo Ma, and my kids do it to me. They've done this before. They're like, go put on Yo-Yo Ma, and they'll put it on, and I hear like, and I'm like, oh my God, who turned on Yo-Yo Ma? So, um, and the other thing is, I feel incredibly inspired. That music, right, breathes something into me that helps me transcend to a different place. It helps me feel or see or realize there's something bigger going on. And to me, this is what the Bible is. The Bible breathes wisdom and life. It helps me transcend into different, like the whole bow thing, it's nerdy, but it, I, I love it, right? The, the Bible can inspire us to continue to be our fullest selves. And I need that, and I love that. And so what I want to do is I'm going to read Psalm 42 um, for two reasons. One, I turned 42 on Friday. You're welcome. So, uh, and that's not why I did it. It's just convenient. Um, is Psalm 42 is not, if I was going to write like uh, uh, something in the Bible that was like, hey, this is going to be easy, clean, no errors. It's going to convince all, everyone here that we should follow this God in this way of being. Psalm 42 would be one of the last things I'd write because Psalm 42 is very complicated. It's very, um, 
It, it goes through like, I think this is what I'm supposed to say about God, but this is what I really believe about life, right? It's dark, but it's honest. It's vulnerable. It's authentic. And this is what I love about the Bible. So Psalm 42 goes like this. <laughs> yeah. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him for my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon and the Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep and the roar of the waterfalls. All your waves and breaks have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love and at night, his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. Like, this is all over the map, right? Of saying, why have you betrayed me? Where is God? Other people are taunting me, saying, where is your God? And the way that the end is saying, why are you so downcast? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. Right? It's, it's, it's like this, this manic episode of like, I don't believe there could be a God, but put your hope in God. Right? And I love it because it's honest. And when you can engage the Bible of being exactly who you are in this space, in this time, without trying to make the Bible something different and without you trying to make yourself something different, the Bible can breathe, God can breathe some good and beautiful things into us. So what we're going to do is I'm going to have us stand, if you're able, and I'm going to pray for us. If you guys would not mind standing, <laughs> if you'd like. And I'm going to pray. And if you'd like to um, process about what the Bible may be or what the Bible is not, or you'd like to connect or you'd like to pray, I'm going to be around here for the next, like, half hour. So please join me as we pray. So God... I thank you for life being um, not perfect. That life can be messy, it can be complicated, it can be freeing, and it can be down. And all of it still belongs. I thank you for the, the friends and family and chosen family that are in our lives that makes this life so beautiful and so rich. And I pray that as we uh, engage with uh, the rest of our day that that breath of God would inspire us and move us to do good and beautiful things. And for my friends who this whole idea of what does the Bible even mean, I pray, God, that you would be with them and you'd give them life and you'd give them energy. And I pray for those of us who are ready to engage with the Bible that we can continue to be inspired and moved. And we love you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, friends, for joining us at Neighborhood Church, and have a good rest of your day.